Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us and welcome to Exploring Cybersecurity, the podcast where we deep dive into all aspects of the cybersecurity industry. Today, I'm going to be your host, and my name is Jeremy Ventura, the Director of Security Strategy and also Field CISO here at ThreadX. Today is actually the debut of Exploring Cybersecurity. So I'm super excited to be starting off this show and this entire series with two distinguished guests of mine and also really good friends. Um, you know, backing up just a little bit, this has actually been in the works for quite some time. And for me personally, it's actually been a goal, at least for the last five years. So before we get started, I really do want to say thank you to a couple individuals. First of all, my mentors. In addition from that, also ThreadX, the company that I work for, to making sure that this actually happens. Our audio and visual designers, our moderators. So if you are in the chat here in LinkedIn Live, please put questions or comments where they'll be monitoring and asking me and my guests live. Um, and lastly, not, but not least, my guests and distinguished listeners for joining in today. As a note, we are on LinkedIn Live, but don't worry. If you can't join us live, this will be aired on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube after the series is done. But before we begin, I want to spend just a little bit time talking about why I wanted to create this podcast. You know, as I was going through my career and listening to different uh, channels such as podcasts and audiobooks, there was one thing that really stuck out to me. And the thing that stuck out to me was while there was really good content, there wasn't necessarily always inclusive for every individual throughout their step uh, within their career here within cybersecurity. And so my goal was to make sure that we had actionable and information that was for the wide masses. So making sure that we're really breaking down those barriers of diversity and inclusion and trying to incorporate as many people and as many topics as possible. So I want to again thank ThreadX for also making sure that this can happen. But after months of preparation, we're really ready to bring you insightful conversations, innovative ideas, and expert perspectives that help you stay ahead of the game in cybersecurity. And for our first episode, what better way than actually the title it, Breaking Down Barriers, the Importance of Diversity and Cybersecurity. And so this topic is really critical for me, and it really hits home to me because as I've gone through my career, um, you know, I faced many different challenges when it came to kind of getting ahead of the curb uh, when it came through different diversity inclusion programs. And I've been very, very fortunate to work with a lot of great mentors, a lot of great friends, two of them which are going to be on the show today, um, that have helped me also establish my career. And so with that being said, um, you know, we really want to focus today's episode on diversity inclusion, the importance of it, why it's so important for organizations of all sizes and all industries, not just cybersecurity, to really make sure you have a program in place to making sure that we have the most wide workforce possible, especially as we know, as attackers and hackers are getting more creative and sophisticated, we need a more unified and diverse workforce as well uh, to making sure that we can stay ahead of these cyber threats. So sit back, relax, and join us for an information and exciting conversation. With that being said, I want to first introduce my first guest, Edwin Moreno, who is the field CTO at Mindcast. Edwin and I actually got to spend uh, quite some time working together when I was also at Mindcast, and it is a distinct pleasure to have Edwin on the first episode and show today. How's it going, brother? First of all, that <laughs> intro music got me extra jazz, so I'm so pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. You know this topic is near and dear to my heart, so I'm so glad to be here, brother. Perfect. I appreciate it, Edwin. I can't wait to uh, dig down a little bit deeper into kind of everything you've been up to and uh, your thoughts on this program as well. And also joining Edwin and myself is also another past coworker, but now is the manager of sales engineering uh, and solution architects for Rapid7 uh, in the threat intelligence department, Carson Sherris. Carson, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. It's, uh, it's been too long. I'm, I'm happy we're reconnected. 
Absolutely. This is, uh, I think for anyone that knows the three of us and that is joining LinkedIn Live right now, uh, you know, I think we've got a lot of people watching and going to be watching on demand. Uh, you know, it, this is almost like a big reunion because Edwin, Carson, and myself all uh, crossed paths when we all worked together at Edwin's current company, Mindcast. And so a big reunion of some sorts. And I know when I want to create this first episode around breaking down barriers and diversity and inclusion, I couldn't think of two more powerhouses and cyber legends um, and everything that they do for the community as well. So again, gentlemen, thanks for joining us. I'll just add, if I knew Carson was joining, I'm not sure if I'd be on here, but here we are. <laughs> thanks for the surprise. Perfect, perfect. Well, Edwin, let's start with you. So I know it's been some time since uh, you know we've worked together and obviously uh, you're, you know, you're still at Mindcast and now you have the role recently of field CTO or chief technology officer. So with that being said, tell us, what, what have you been up to, Edwin? And what, give us a little bit for the viewers. What is a field CTO and you know, what does that day-to-day -day look like? Yeah, I think that's the beauty of cybersecurity. And doesn't matter where we start. It's all about the role that you can make out of it, right? So field CTO, you know, my background is sales engineering. Um, little by little, I just got involved with more of a larger in engagement. So you start to get a pretty good idea as far as what the market's asking for competitive, strategic, what are some of the items that maybe we should be putting out there? Is it podcasts? Is it blogs? But getting that information, I think, is so important, but making sure that you can get that over to product and the people that are actually making a lot of these uh, decisions. So I really explain my role as a conduit, right? I'm a conduit between go-to-market and product, taking everything that we're hearing from the field, but making sure that Mimecast continues to stay relevant. I mean, it's cybersecurity. You guys know this. This game changes in a given hour, right? So the second that you stay still, you're already behind the game. So my goal is not to do that. So making sure that continue pushing the envelope and especially email security, you know how crowded of a space it is. If you're not differentiating, you're not innovating, you're behind. So that's a big portion of where I push as a field CTO. That's awesome, Edwin. And I know we'll, we'll uh, dig a little bit deeper as we go through the program, a little bit more of the role and kind of, you know, what you're doing here at Mimecast, but also in uh, addition to that, kind of what we're thinking about from a diversity inclusion standpoint. Um, man, the myth, the legend. Carson, it's been a while as well. And I know you are over at Rapid7 through an acquisition, but now you are the manager of the uh, solution architect team for LATAM and also the US. So Carson, what have you been up to? Yeah, it's... Um... It's again. It's it's so great to be be reconnected. But uh, but yeah, when I um, I left Mimecast, I went to a um, a company called Int Sites, and uh, they do or we we do cyber threat intelligence. So doing things on the uh, clear deep and dark web, tracking threat actors, all that good stuff. Um, and I was super excited about working for a startup. And then a month later, Rapid Seven bought us. I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm not at a startup anymore." But it was uh, it's, it's been it's been amazing. Uh, the people here are phenomenal. We have a very strong uh, product and services offering. And uh, yeah, to your to your point, I lead the, the U.S. and Latin America threat intelligence uh, solutions architects or, or sales engineers. And I have a phenomenal team, a great team, a great leader. So, so yeah, it's, it's been really, really fun. Awesome. That's, that's great to hear. And it's awesome to see the both of you, uh, you know, doing awesome things in your career as well. And um, for those uh, that don't know, I'm also the field CISO at ThreadX. And so very similar to these two gentlemen, uh, once my time was over at Mindcast, I joined a couple of different other companies um, and working internal security. And now I got to go back. Uh, to working for a vendor in a startup uh, setting, which is uh, awesome with the, uh, the field CISO role. So very similar to what Edwin says from a field CTO role. As a field CISO, uh, very similar. Uh, we're responsible for, you know, not just thought leadership and doing things like podcasts and 
uh, you know, webinars, but also making sure we are growing our brand, our partnership, um, and our strategy, making sure that's aligned with our customers, our partners in the field of specifically for us, API security, and, uh, you know, how we look at the world. And so, um, again, I, I think, you know, it's super exciting for those of us that are on LinkedIn Live and that are listening to this that have known the three of us or have worked to, uh, worked with us. It's pretty cool, I think, you know, even for me to sit back and relax and, you know, just in two, two and a half years, I think it's been to see where we've come and, you know, where we continue to go. So um, it's, it's awesome to see you guys. Now, with that being said, for the topic of today, right, it's all about breaking down barriers, as we talked about. And we've all experienced, the three of us, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners have all experienced certain challenges or certain um, hardships potentially when it came to maybe finding a job, trying to grow your career, or even trying to get a say or a voice within your company. And it can come and stem from a lot of different avenues and different, um, you know, different avenues uh, and characteristics. But I want to really break down specifically our industry and this topic. And I know the three of us are very, very passionate about making sure we are more inclusive, making sure we are getting the right workforce and really expanding our teams. Um, and so, Carson, I actually want to start with you. Um, you know, I was listening to a lot of your recent podcasts and, you know, you speak a lot on this topic and specifically within Rapid7, I know you guys also have a program called Vibranium um, that you were actually the leader of. And it's one of the, the STEM programs from uh, different uh, focus groups, as you would call it within Rapid7. So, Carson, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what Rapid7 is doing and then specifically what are you doing with this group Vibranium? What's the mission and goal? Yeah, so um, uh, Rapid7 um, is is very uh, sensitive and aware um, to, to have uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. So that's regardless of someone's um, uh, ethnic background, sexual identity, whatever. Um, all of us are individuals. All of us have amazing stories. And if we work together, we can do some even more amazing things. So the uh, organization or uh, the, the team that is responsible for uh, the the bettering of black and brown individuals is called Vibranium. Uh, shout out to all my, my Vibranium uh, uh, team members. Um, Myself and another individual by the name of Daniel, we are kind of like the the focals or the 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 leaders of that space. I'm I'm using leaders very very loosely um, because it's all ran by our diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion uh, global director. But as far as just being a liaison between the leader and the rest of the team, it's it's my my coworker Daniel and I, and it's just it's been a, a great great opportunity to learn and do some some different things um, as far as inclusion is concerned. Personally, it uh, it bothers me if the only uh, if I'm the only person that looks like me in the room like that, that's that's depressing. That's discouraging. And uh, I think it can ultimately put a company in jeopardy if they don't have good uh, diversity representation. So anytime I can, I'm, I'm available. I try to help people who want to get into cyber, want to get into pre-sales or just want to exceed in their career. And they have been minoritized. I, I'm, I'm very sensitive to that because we all deserve a chance to, to win. No, that's awesome. Uh, you know, I want to pick on that just a little bit more. So you mentioned like giving individuals and, you know, some of the, the team members that are in that group, and even if they're not in that group, some of the opportunities to maybe speak out or maybe, you know, have a voice and have a say. 
you know, I think for the three of us, we can all agree where we've probably all had mentors in our life. And I think we were in the green room before prepping for this. And Carson, you even showed out Edwin when you first started at Mindcast, right? Edwin kind of took you under his wing. And so I, I know if you want to share a little bit of that story as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, my, shout out to all, all my my former uh, Mindcasters and, and those that are still there. But everyone was was very helpful. But for me, it was so impactful when I got a chance to meet Edwin. Um, uh, we, we call each other BB for Brown brother. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what we call one another. But he, um, he saw a lot of potential in me and he just taught me things, not just about the product, but about working with account executives, talking to uh, prospects and customers and understanding that uh, a CISO was interested in this and the SOC director is interested in, in that. And so the most important thing for me was the representation. Here is a person that is very familiar with the struggles and the, the roadblocks and hurdles that I've had as a person of color he has experienced it as well. And even if we didn't necessarily talk about, well, you know, this is what, you know, the racial divide is, whatever, just seeing someone that had a little bit more melanin in their skin, it just, it, it helped me out so much. It, it, it was so inspiring. And so now I'm not saying that I've made it and I've achieved everything there is to achieve in life, but I have come far enough where I can help others do the same thing. So representation is so, so, so important. And I'm extremely fortunate that I, I had a chance to, uh, to learn and work with Edwin. Carson, that means the world, man. Um, and I guess what I'll say is it's no different than what people have done for me in the past. Right. <clears throat> and I think I've always told you to the, 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 the same thing. It's continue paying it forward. Right. There's so many different ways. I think we can all get into cybersecurity. And that's also the cool thing about all of our backgrounds we will kind of start off in, in different spots. So if I want to learn the hard way, because it is very hard breaking down some of these barriers, for example, field CTO role didn't exist here, but I knew by continue fighting for that role because there's a need for that role. At some point, I'm not always going to be here, but it's going to allow the people behind me to continue seeing a path forward. And Carson, honestly, that does mean the world, but I think it's also when I look at people, when I'm mentoring First and foremost, I look past skin color, I look past gender. Skill set, and do they have the attitude and the willingness to continue educating? If they do, then that's going to make my time worth it. Because while I think we talk about black and brown, I'll also do a shout out to all of our female counterparts out there. They struggle with a lot of the same stuff. I shadow calls, I join calls, and it can be a female SE saying the same exact thing that I would have said. But just because it's coming from a woman, sometimes it doesn't land. So I think let's not forget about them, too, because I think it is a lot of the same struggles. And the only way to do it is help each other out. Yeah, uh, Edwin, I, I think that's that's an awesome point. And I, I think I want to make that pretty clear that, you know, when we uh, when we're talking about DEI or diversity, equity, inclusion, right, it, it's not just the skin color. Right. We know there is a huge, huge gap and challenge in our industry um, even from, let's talk about it from the women representation. I was fortunate just last week it aired to be on Tanya Janka, uh, who's uh, the CEO and founder of We Hack Purple. And all we talked about was something very, very similar about this topic. It was a little bit more geared towards um, women specifically. Like, how do we give women a say? You know, it's we, both of us or all three of us have been to RSA and Black Hat probably so yeah. many times. How many times do we walk around the conference and I'm like, I don't know if there's any woman here. And, you know, I, I think it, it's not we need to do better. We have to do better. 
right? And I think that's kind of the, the message that I think all three of us are going to talk about today, um, regardless of gender, regardless of race, regardless of, you know, sexual orientation or beliefs or whatever it might be, right? We need to be and have to be more inclusive for everybody. And we're going to talk about some of the different things and programs, not just with our companies, but um, different things we've seen and frameworks from even our uh, White House administration that's recently come out with just in the past month. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as we go through the stream here. Um, but Edwin, I, I want to go back to you just a little bit. Um, you know, Car Carson obviously said a lot of a lot of great words about you and, you know, when, you know, he joined Mindcast and you brought up something that I want to dig into just a little bit. And I, I think you have a really unique background as well. Um, and then Carson, I'm going to hand it over to you. But Edwin, first, you know, how did you get into cybersecurity? Loaded question, right? <clears throat> I'll take a step back, right? And this is probably a little bit of a plug for my parents, but I'm first generation born and raised here in the States, right? Parents came over from El Salvador, this is in the 70s, for this education for my dad's third grade, for this education for my mom's first grade. I saw how hard they worked, by the way, but I also knew that I was never going to be able to have a full two full-time jobs. Too lazy, I need to work effective, I need to work smart. And this is right around the times where computers were coming out. And so I would honestly just play around with a PC. If I had a blue screen of death, I would figure it out. And the more and more I just liked the skill set, something came up to me in high school as a opportunity, which was this concept of vocational school, right? You think of vocational school typically as like masonry or people that are never going to go to college or they don't have a career. So just send them off to the school. Not the case. I would do my four like major classes, English, math, um, history, but probably missed another one there. But that would be my high school. I would get on a bus. I would go an hour away. And that's actually for two years back to back. I got my A-plus cert, so I started doing hardware certification, and then I got my first CCNA, actually, my senior year in high school. So I, I was exposed to all this. But to think that you're going to land in cyber in that first job, maybe nowadays you get lucky, but we didn't all do that, by the way. My first job out of college was desktop troubleshooting, printer troubleshooting, work at Active Directory, and account gets locked out. Little by little, it, it goes back to what I said. I'm, not, I'm never going to have the same jobs that my parents did. They were janitors. But what I don't lose is my work ethic, what they showed me. And I've been able to do that my whole career, just continue working hard. Then you get exposure to data center worlds, working with SANS and all that. And then eventually I got into cyber. So I was actually talking to someone at this past week and they're like, hey, how do I get in cyber? Because I've been applying for all these cyber roles. No one's getting back to me. Maybe help us is where you start. It all depends on your background. It depends on what you have. But like we all started somewhere. But I think it's that hard work, it's that background that I didn't lose is really what got me to cyber. So I know that's a long-winded answer there, but I don't, I'm a big believer, don't forget where you come from. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I could 100% agree with you. You know, I think it's interesting. I want to I want to definitely ask the both of you how you got into this because, Edwin, I mean, you know, going to the school, right, getting exposure, um, you know, I think a lot of times there's pressure now. I mean, uh, we can talk about this too just really quickly, and then Carson, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, you know, it's very discouraging when you see uh, cybersecurity companies or just companies in general that are hiring for cyber roles and they're way out of touch, right? Oh, you, it's entry level, but you need 10 years experience or you need a CISSP. You're never going to hire somebody. You're never going to be happy, right? Or you're going to- why we have shortage of jobs, by the way. Exactly, right? What is it up to now? I, some, I think it's close to four or five million open jobs just in the United States. And so, you know, it's a real issue. It's a real challenge. Um, that stems for a, it stems from a lack of actually understanding where your talent pool is and how to nurture and mature individuals and give people the chance. And so, you know, it, it's a real challenge. But Edwin, I think it, it's an awesome background because 
it's not always about going and, you know, you got this great internship and you got the master's degree and then you started, right? People in this industry um, start and finish many, many different ways. Um, you know, just a quick shout out. There is a, uh, an individual within our security operation teams named Lauren, uh, who was a hairdresser for 13 years. Hairdresser. But you know what the skills she had? She knows how to talk to people, client relationships. She knows how to communicate effectively from being a hairdresser, customer service, right? She's a perfect individual to get into our security operations center, nurture her, mature her, and train her on the tools and technologies. Because as we all know, those things change daily, right? But it's about the individual. It's the passion. It's that intangible. Like you can't just, you need to identify that in a certificate. It's not going to show you that, by the way. 100%. Carson, I want to turn it over to you. How did you get into cybersecurity? Yeah, so it's it's funny. I may be dating myself a little bit, but like um, similar to, to Edwin, when I when I was growing up and, and learning more about technology, to be honest, like there 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 was no cybersecurity. Like I don't th- even think we used that that phrase then. Um, but a phrase I learned later on in life is cybersecurity is the responsibility of every employee. That's to digress for a moment, that's kind of loaded because the a, a SOC director has more responsibility than a receptionist when it comes to cybersecurity. But the point is, everyone is touching cybersecurity, whether they know it or not. So I, very similar to Edwin, I was in IT operations. Uh, uh, I started my career at, uh, as a help desk admin, and then I moved into a desktop tech role and then got into desktop administration and a little bit of server admin stuff and eventually uh, started getting into um, uh, what's now called Microsoft 365. It used to be called Office 365. And so securing that from an email and SharePoint and OneDrive and permissions and all that. And so I kind of got into cybersecurity, but I didn't really know it. I just knew that, hey, people need to use computers and networks and stuff. And if you don't follow these best practices, then a bad guy may get in. So when I started to, to get more into that and, and, and spe- uh, specifically focus on email security, that's how I became a sales engineer and all that. But for me, ultimately, it was just doing typical IT work, but learning that, oh, okay, yeah, it's, you can't just deploy an image. You got to make sure that image has the latest updates and even updates in and of itself. If, if you're a help desk administrator helping someone one, run Windows updates, that's vulnerability management and you're, you're touching that then. So that's kind of how I, how I got involved and now, now I'm here. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, it's it's great backgrounds from from both of you, and I think you know for a lot of our listeners, and you know this is one of the goals of this podcast too, in general, that you don't have to be a CISO at a Fortune 100 company to be listening to this, right? I think the majority of the individuals that are going to be watching this are a lot of individuals that want to get into cybersecurity, or they're trying to figure out how do I excel, how do I look at the three of these guys and figure out, man, that's really cool. What they work for cool companies, or they got cool jobs, and how do I get there? Right. And so at the end of the show, we're going to give some tips and recommendations uh, for anybody um, that's looking to kind of get into the field or even mature their, or their career path or try something new and look something new. But I, th- I think it's super important that when people watch these different podcasts, they're looking at other individuals and saying, wow, you know, Carson, you said it best. I'll use the word. I'll steal it from you. Representation. Right. And I think personally for me, when I was going to school in uh, Newport, Rhode Island, 
Uh, shout out to anyone that's uh, watching Salva Regina University. You know, I, I did do my bachelor's in uh, actually criminal justice, right? I thought I was going to be a police officer. I was taking internships. I wanted to be a police officer. Um, I was passing all the exams and then representation. I was speaking at an event and there was an individual there, Ken Bell, who's now the uh, deputy CISO at Force Point and was there working at Raytheon at the time. I was came over to me. I was like, hey, man, would you be considering of doing an internship at Raytheon? And I was like, Sounds kind of cool, but you know, like, I thought I wanted- like as a cop or <laughs> <laughs> exactly, as a security guard or actually into cyber. And so, you know, again, representation, right? Uh, Ken Bell's an African, African-American man. And I looked at him and I was like, he doesn't look like anybody else on this stage. And there was something that just resonated with me that said, you know what? I kind of want to be like this guy, or maybe I should trust him. And I did. And now look, right. And so I think when we look at our careers and we look back and Edwin, you said it best, like understand where you came from, right? And then how you got here. You know, I think all three of us can shut out for, we could spend an hour shutting out mentors and people that have helped us throughout our career. But I think it's also really important for individuals that are listening to this when you're trying to break into cybersecurity or whatever field that might be, right? Really reach out to those individuals, right? You can reach out to the three of us. I know all three of us are willing to help, um, you know, people of, all different types of how to understand technology and cybersecurity or even make themselves into a career here. And I think it's important that mentorship relationships um, really does help individuals kind of excel, break into the career as well. Um, You can see all three of us have, Carson and Edwin are very similar from the, the IT background, but schooling is different, right? The way they actually got into this, their backgrounds are different. My background's different. And so I think that's what makes this field super, super special, but we have to continue to evolve it. We have to continue to outreach and get more people and more um, individuals opportunities to actually break into this field and be successful. And so with that being said, I want to talk specifically about, uh, you know, some of the different challenges. And I think, you know, in the industry in general, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, we have a lot of challenges. Uh, Edwin, you mentioned it, right? I mean, we have so many jobs that are open and we can't fill them. Why, right? And I think there's many, many different reasons and that it can kind of stem back to on that why. But specifically, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, Carson, I was listening to one of your podcasts and you know, you mentioned um, a couple different stories that you had. I, I think one was you, you sitting into a, in, in a board meeting and you looked around and, uh, you know, there was a comment that was said and you're like, what? Like, treat me with respect. I don't know if you want to you want to share that a little bit um, about, you know, some of your experiences when it came into, you know, not even just breaking into cybersecurity, but even in your current role now. Right. Like some of the challenges that you may face when it comes to uh, diversity and inclusion. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell a, a similar story. I, I worked at this company, worked in, in IT ops and um <laughs> I was originally the only um, black male. And then we ended up hiring another black male. And as luck would have it, not only was he on my team, but he sat right next to me. It's like, are, are y'all putting us together? Like, what's going on here? And I remember we were doing some uh, some IT maintenance. And we were like, hey, the network's going to go down around this time. But just letting you know, we're talking to, the, to some workers there. Just kind of making small talk. And this um, this lady looked at me and said, now, which one are you? And she was basically saying, which one of the black employees are you? Because y- y'all look alike, right? And it was, she didn't mean any harm, 
And I think she like after it came out, it's kind of like trying to, to squeeze the, the toothpaste back in the tube. She realized what she said. No harm, you no foul. So you good. can't put that back. <laughs> yeah, <you're right. laughs> so I made it awkward. I was like, hmm. My name's Karsten, right? So, but but still, I, I think that that said a lot. Again, to going back to my point about um, uh, representation, like it's there were not a lot of people um, of, of color at this organization, not saying that the organization purposefully did that, just whatever, it, it, it wasn't a lot. And so that that's, that's one of the challenges. But one of the things that I had to ultimately uh, understand with myself, and I mentioned it on a, a few uh, talks before is, but it's the fact that I'm, I'm dope. And dope means uh, excellent and accepted. And so I had to be comfortable in my own skin. I had to understand that I am accepted. And because I'm accepted, I can do excellent work. I don't do excellent work to be accepted. But because I already am, I'm coming from a place of success instead of trying to go toward it. And so to anyone, if um, no matter, you know, your, your race, your creed, again, sexual identity, anything, you have to have confidence in you. You have to have a trust in you to know that you're bringing out something uh, different that other people can't. I'll, I'll end with this. Uh, so we're talking about cybersecurity. When you're looking at defense and death, if um, it, it is not impossible to have defense and death if you don't have diversity and representation. If everybody on your security team is of the same sexual preference, same race, same beliefs, everyone boasts the same, that's not defense in depth. That, that is the equivalent of a company saying, oh, we don't need email security or network security or a SIM or a SOAR. We have antivirus protection on our computers. That's not the only way bad guys try to get into networks, right? So it's important to have representation so that you can have uh, a diversity of thoughts and solutions so that you can be a few steps ahead of the bad guys and any, you know, marketing mishaps. So, so yeah, that, that's kind of my, my belief in, and that's, that's how I kind of live my life now. Can I pile on that one? Cause he, Carson, you hit on the point that I think is so critical being comfortable within your own skin. It took me a while to get there, by the way. When you look different from everyone else, you grew up different from everyone else, it's, you're doing something wrong. No, it's, it's what makes you different, but it's what makes you different in a good way. But I think I never worked hard to prove people wrong. I worked hard because that's what I want to do. I want to see my own career excel. I want to help people around me. And if that means that I get buy-in and people like working with me, then that's just an added benefit, right? But I'm going to be comfortable with who I am, and it wasn't always like that. But like, if you're out here to just simply prove people wrong, eventually you lose you you lose some energy with that. You should be doing it because it's in your own best interest. It's for your own best interest of your family. It's for your own best interest for where the industry is heading. Make sure that you're in it for the right reasons, not simply because you know you want to prove people wrong. And I think there is a difference in that. Yeah, Edwin, I want to stick on you for just a little bit. Uh, you know, I think there's one theme that you just said there. Um, and I, Carson, you said this too before, um, but when it comes to organizations and it comes to companies, you know, the one thing that I know I get bothered personally with is companies will say, oh yeah, you know, we have a diversity inclusion handbook or policy or yeah, they put it on their website. And it's the statement is it can't be diversity for the sake 
of diversity, right? And so I think that's another topic here where just because you say, oh, we have a diverse inclusion, uh, you know, program or policy, that's not enough, right? Like, what are you actually doing? And so, Edwin, I, I kind of want to go back to you a little bit because um, that, that's what I heard you say yep. right there, right, in, in a statement. And, you know, do you want to talk a little bit more about, you know, some of the different programs? I know Carson shared a little bit some of the stuff that's going on within Rapid7, but also um, I know Mimecast and, you know, again, all three of us have worked there too in the past and you're currently there. Um, you guys do a lot when it comes to diversity and inclusion as well, and including even in the product itself. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, for us, I think it's it's really no different than Rapid7 and a lot of um, organizations in this industry where diversity should mean different opinions, people from different backgrounds that also challenge you because that's only that's the only way that you get better, right? So whether it's skin tone, it's gender identity, it's any of the above, like everyone should have a say in, in the ability to speak and have a platform. So I think that's something that Mimecast has done very well and Carson, I just remember the first couple of times that they gave you the mic at any of these sales kickoffs and people were like, preach, brother. But I think that was awesome. And maybe that didn't necessarily come out of the DI program, right? But doing things like that allows you to be like, oh, I know that guy. That guy is also speaking. This guy also, it means a lot to him. So I think just giving people a platform is extremely vital. When it comes to just honestly, the company in general, you guys have both worked and you guys know everything runs with Peter Bauer and it starts there his willingness to go around the world and whether it's for fundraising, it's for giving back when like certain like catastrophic events happen all over the world. He's not doing this just in Boston, by the way, he's doing this in Africa. He's doing this in places that probably actually need the, the, the help. So I think that's a big shout out to, to, to Pete too, is that a lot of this culture really starts with the number one guy. And I mean, Carson, you can probably speak to that a bit too, because I, I think you felt the same, at, at least in your time here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, shout out to, to, to Peter. He is definitely one of the two most influential CEOs I've ever had the pleasure of, of, of working under, with the other one being my current CEO, Corey Thomas. Uh, but yeah, but to talk about Peter for a moment, man, P Peter is just such a phenomenal ally, right? And I think that's another part of diversity, equity, and inclusion is allyship. So Edwin brought up the fact that uh, a lot of time women have difficulty going through certain certain barriers. Uh, my friend Lillian in the chat just brought talked about a very horrible experience that that she had as a woman. And so as a man, it is important that I'm an ally to my fellow women workers. Right? I I I don't necessarily need to um, mentor them. A lot of times, no, they need sponsorship. They need someone to say, no, I think this project uh, project should be led by, you know, Lisa or, 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 or you know, uh, Janae or, or whoever. I, th I think that's super important for everyone to be good allies to our, our brothers and sisters and, and family. Um, but, yeah, the, the way that Peter operates, the way that Corey Thomas operates, they, they use their success, their thoughts, their experiences, their mistakes, and they try to make the world a better place. And I kind of say it like this. You, you may not be able to change the whole world, but your life can change the world of someone else. And if you can just touch one person that can touch some person, then we'll all be better off. I think the ally part there, Carson, is so key. And I challenge you too as well, guys. Like, we, as you continue to go up in your careers, it, it's it's great. You know, you'll get pay raises. You know, Jeremy, you probably have a nice private jet by now. But like, 
just don't forget don't forget where you come from and also don't forget how difficult it was for you guys to also get that voice right and maybe Carson you were, you were able to find some of that voice through me because I had struggled myself a, a bit too right but don't forget where you come from especially as you go up I would say it's your responsibility and it's on you to make sure you continue advocating for other people I don't care what role you have what executive role you have if you're not doing that you're not doing your job I agree Yep. And actually, Edwin, uh, you know, picking back and off that, and I know Carson already gave you a shout out earlier, so uh, I'll, I'll give you another one. I know, I know you love them anyway. But, oh, I love podcasts. You know, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I know when I, um, I know when I first started, uh, you know, working with, uh, working with you as well at Mindcast, um, practice what you preach. Right. And, and I think that's, you show that, right. And I, I know you still do. And I know both of you guys still do that as well. And I do actually remember the scenario where we were sitting, um, you were kind of like the, the senior principal SC. And I remember I had just started and we were, you were kind of shadowing me, right? My first couple months of like, okay, let's see, does he know the product? Can he pitch it right? Does he know how to ask the right questions? And when things got hard in one of the conversations we had, I remember exactly who it was too. I won't, I won't say the name of the customer. Um, you stopped back and you're like, you got it. Like you got it. Like it's okay. Like I'm here to back you up. And so I think the sponsorship, the allyship, the mentorship that all of us have just talked about is super critical, right? For, for everybody. And Edwin, I couldn't have said it better. Right. And I know we've got a user in the, in the chat just said, you know, we need more sponsors. Great point. And so I, I think with that, you know, there are certain in or there's certain use cases, there's certain stories where we can do that. And so I, I want to dig a little bit deeper um, into what are some of the actual programs or things? So, you know, again, it's practice what you preach. So we can say sponsorship, we can say mentorship, and we kind of gave a couple of different examples between, uh, you know, the three of us and together. But what else can individuals and organizations do, like actually put into action? Um, obviously, you know, both of you guys, uh, and we all work for companies that, you know, create different focus groups, which absolutely helps. Um, we create different events. I know a shout out to my past company, Gong. They were excellent and still are about how they look at diversity, inclusion, um, and everything that goes right, focus groups, and everything like that. And so, you know, with that being said, though, what else from an action standpoint can an individual, anyone that's listening to this call, help out somebody else? Have, I'll let any of you guys answer that one. I have a couple of things. I would say <clears throat> if you're already working at a pretty decent sized company, most likely there's already a DI program there, by the way. So Educate yourself, and because that, that's going to be my common theme, by the way. Educate yourself. Be a student in the game. So if there's a program already there, there's probably things you can kind of take advantage of. But guys, you don't need a ton of money to just start to get interested in cybersecurity. Often I hear that. Ah, oh, man, but it just sounds expensive. Or no, I can't afford the CISSP. Like, I'll, I'll start cyber tomorrow. No. There's so much free stuff that's available today on the web. By the way, podcasts like this whether it's blogs, there's so many things you can subscribe to. Be a student of the game. Like cyber is constantly changing. So you can start there, by the way. Um, there are programs, at least at Mimecast, I don't know if you guys went through this, there was this like level up program too, by the way. So I took part of that. I'm like, oh, people like me, people my skin color actually have the ability to take on leadership roles. Cool, things started to become more real. So I'd say first, make yourself familiar with the programs that exist. Because guarantee you, there's probably something already there. But you don't have to wait until tomorrow to start this career, by the way. There are things you can do literally in the next two seconds and continue educating yourself. That's awesome. Agree. I'll, I'll also say um, 
in addition to what Edwin said, uh, there are plenty of organizations out there that uh, you can join. I'll, I'll give a shout out to a few. So, um, um, uh, BDPA, Black Data Professionals of America is one. Uh, there is also uh, the National Black MBA Association. And despite the name, you don't have to have an MBA to actually uh, join it. Um, uh, there is an uh, organization or community called um, uh, Black Girls Hack. And I know I'm specifically talking about um, uh, organizations kind of focused for, for Black people, but, but there are plenty plenty out there for people who may uh, be a part of the LGBTQ plus community, right? And they want to uh, get in cyber. There are communities like that. So that's one of the, the quickest ways you can see more representation if you go out and find those organizations and partner with them. And then the final thing I'll say is um, no matter how little you think you know, you know more than someone else. Like if 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 you have been at your job for five days, there's someone else that hasn't even started yet. So you have learned enough. You've made enough mistakes. You have enough successes that you can start to pour into someone else. Um, I believe if you are a good steward of pouring into others, there will always be opportunities for others to pour into you. So you you can't be selfish with your knowledge and experiences. You need to share that with others. And then ultimately that's gonna make us better as a society. I, the pride I take guys just sitting here and just seeing what you two have done with your careers, it was all worth it. It was all worth it, right? And you continue doing that for others. Like that's the only way that we can do this. Take an interest into your colleagues, and especially if you're going to these summits, and it's like it's a Latino cyber summit. There's a lot of those too. You're getting people that are familiar with you, and just continue with those contacts. You don't need to talk to these people every day. Just it's a nice little pulse check on where people are going. Because by the way, there's going to be work reasons why we also need to continue staying communicated. Right? Cyber is a team game. One vendor is not going to solve all of this. So we're actually doing better for the industry as well, as long as we're staying connected here. Yeah, you're 100% right. And, you know, quick, uh, quick little two shout outs as well. Um, I know, Carson, you had mentioned uh, LGBTQ. Um, you know, on that recent podcast that I was on with Tanya Janka and We Hack Purple, uh, the Diana Initiative and Diana Project is also a huge sponsor community. They're always out at RSA, Black Hat, um, you know, and they do it right before. And it gives people a safe space. It gives people a space of community and it also gives people a space for allies, Right. So, you know, there's a lot of different opportunities for other individuals to come in, um, to speak, to listen. I think that's also a very key characteristic here is listening, understanding, hearing different valued points and taking that back and then doing something within your company as well. And Edwin, you mentioned it before, right? A lot of big companies have these DEI programs, right? Where they have the funding, they have the resources, they can put actions. But even for smaller organizations that individuals work for, you can go to your CLO, like, don't be afraid. Go to your board, go to your civil executives, go to your manager and be like, I think we should look at this program or we should look about maybe creating, here's something simple, a Slack group channel, um, create different Slack groups for other individuals that want to be part of it, right? Give people a space, a free space to talk, to communicate. There's a lot of, we're, we live in a crazy world, right? And if especially someone the slaps your wrist or says no to that, I would question that company I'm working for, by the way. 100%. Yeah, 100%. yeah I, I, I was going to say real quick, Jeremy, uh, to that, um, another thing that, that you can do as an individual is hold your leaders accountable, right? I have two daughters, a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. 
And they have a way of just saying, Dad, you told me you weren't going to do that anymore. I was like, hey, uh, okay, you're right. I'm, I'm wrong. No TV for the rest of the week. Right? <laughs> so it's, it, it's, it's, it's so important to hold other people accountable. So if you are interviewing right now actively, I will tell you a good question to ask your, or your potential employer. Can you give me an example of your efforts to improve diversity, equity, and inclusion in this company and as well as the community that you're in? Ask those questions. If you feel like it's just lip service and you don't see any action behind it with your current employer, bring that up. And again, to Edwin's point, if you get a slap on a wrist or they say something bad or whatever, you don't want to work there anyway. So please hold one another accountable. That's the only way we're going to get better. I absolutely agree. And I think this is actually a perfect, perfect segue um, because we, we do have some positive news, right? At, in the last month, we've had the, uh, the White House administration release the United States National Cybersecurity Strategy. And there is a very, very large section in there that specifically calls out diversity and inclusion in the cyber workforce, right? Trying to give people more opportunity to get in. And I think the exact quote is something around the lines of, you know, we created um, kind of this this we're looking for unicorns right for far too long in the industry and you know when you're looking at specifically individuals and building different programs right i think the exact quote is it will tackle head on the lack of diversity in the cyber workforce right we need to look at um people of color women first generation professionals and immigrants individuals with disabilities lgbtq plus right and and more and i think the positive here is we're starting to see that from the federal government. We're starting to see that from uh, the public sector and it's trickling down to the private sector, right? Probably not as fast, we all know that, not as fast as we absolutely want. But I, I think we still have to stay optimistic in a sense. But I will say this, just because the White House and the administration puts out you know, words on a paper, again, again, it goes back to the action the practice of what you preach. So while they've laid out great structure and great fundamental stuff about how we're going to try to get more employees and uh, more people uh, opportunities to get into the cyber workforce, we still need to see what are the action items? How are they going to do that? Are we spending? Are we creating new initiatives and programs? Are we doing more nurturing and training? Are we giving more people in undeveloped areas around, not just the United States, around the world, more opportunity? And so I, I how think are we defining we, success, like, how do we right. know this program is working? Right, right, exactly. And so I, I think we have a long, long way to go. Um, I think we've got a positive, but we still, I, I'm hopeful, but right, again, we need to, even as individuals, right, we need to always continue to push. Um, you said it, you guys said it best, push our leaders, push our companies, push the government, right, to do more and do more. And, you know, why we have a couple more minutes left, it's actually also another really good segue into a lot of the individuals out here, as I mentioned earlier in the in the stream, are looking to get into cybersecurity. I'm sure just like the two of you guys, I get hit up almost daily about people saying, hey, man, how do I get in? Whether it's someone's child and a friend or, um, you know, I was, at, <laughs> I was at a bar in Boston a couple of weeks ago and um, – I was talking to the bartender. He was like, oh, you work in cybersecurity. He was like, man, I've been a bartender for five years. I'm just trying to pay the bills. I've always wanted to get into cybersecurity. He wants to be a BDR, right? Business developer representative, not even specifically technical cyber. Like I would love to do sales, but I, cybersecurity seems so hot. I live so in this Boston. This guy wants to grind. This guy wants to grind. Right. But, and so it goes back to, I think there's a lot of interest, right? And I think there's a lot of people, we see it, right? Cybersecurity for the longest time has been the, the sexy lingo, right? The sexy words. But as an industry, we're not perfect. We all know that. 
right? We're, we're actually kind of broken, uh, if not a lot broken when it comes to specifically this topic, not just diversity inclusion, but how do we give people opportunity to get into the workforce? And so, as I mentioned, there's a lot of, indiv a lot of individuals and a lot of users that are watching this right now uh, and that will watch this on demand that are trying to break into the industry. And so very similar to diversity inclusion, but um, Edwin, I'll start with you. Um, obviously, we all came from different backgrounds, and I, I think everyone can appreciate how we're all very similar, but all very unique of how we've got to where we are now. And so what tips and recommendations do you have for that individual that might be watching this and say, you know, I really, I am that bartender, right? I really want to get into cyber. Like, uh, whether it's, again, not even, I'm kind of leading you, not even something technical, but how do I get into this field? What are, what are some things that you would recommend? Uh, man, it's all about getting, I wouldn't even say your foot in the door, because even that's hard. It's getting your toe in the door, right? Just like making sure that it's just not going to close on you. And be willing to take, not any job, but take a position that's going to at least know that it might not be the role that you want. It, and, and it's not your dream job. It's okay. But you have a career plan that if I can get to this, then my next role is this, then my next role is this. You start to kind of carve out your, your career there, but be willing to take a help desk job. Be willing to potentially like your virtualizing laptops. Like you can, you start there, and it doesn't mean that you're nowhere close to cybersecurity. You just have to get in a little bit. But I think once you start in a role, leadership should be aware that this person is willing to learn more. They're willing to take on extra jobs, extra tasks. Why is this help desk guy asking me about Splunk? Well, he's at least showing me that he's interested. So maybe we give him read-only access. Like I'm not going to break anything. I'm just curious of what this thing is. It's curiosity, right? You want to get your toe into the industry, but you want, you want to be a curious individual. So we'll, be willing to start almost anywhere. Educate yourself. I'm not always going to preach certificates, by the way. But sometimes if you don't have the work experience, you need something that might make you a little bit different there. There's books that you can do. There's boot camps that you can do. Um, hell, I'll even share my CSSP notes. I still have those too. Like You start somewhere, but you always have to continue educating yourself. Awesome, Edwin. Carson, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Um, I, I would say, um, one, to, to piggyback on the certification part, uh, I, I listened to a podcast, and, and it was so powerful. I wish I could remember the person's name. It was a, uh, a woman in, uh, in cybersecurity, but she said uh, the, re the only reason she received uh, certification uh, certifications was because she wanted to be able to make sure other people understood what she was talking about. And so getting certain certifications made sure that she was using the same language as the other people in the room. So now there was a commonality. And that's actually helped me in my personal growth. Like I'm not studying to get the certification. That's a byproduct. I'm studying to get the knowledge. And when I'm articulating something, I can say it in the most impactful way. So I'll say, I know we're short on time, but I will say that that's something. So start studying. Don't set a, a bar aside of getting the certification maybe, but just learning the lingo and then let the certification be a, a result of that. Perfect. Maybe uh, one last one, Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you're fluent in any other language, that's already made you different, by the way. So, so if you speak Spanish, there's jobs out there where they're doing LATAM territory and, and they're doing it out of the U.S. The only thing that, that I'll warn you, because I've gone through it myself, being fluent in Spanish does not mean that you're fluent in technical Spanish. I didn't grow up talking about cloud and servers with my parents, right? So there's actually like technical Spanish, or technical Spanish classes that, that I can take, by the way. 
But if you're already fluent in something else, you already have a feather in your cap, by the way. Use that to your advantage. No, the, the, I mean, from the both of you, those are complete awesome insights. And, you know, the only thing I would kind of personally leave off as well is very similar to what the two of you said, but be open and be flexible. Um, and Edwin, you kind of mentioned it a little bit as far as it may not be the ideal job or the ideal pay that you want to get into cyber. But I think if you can get your toe in and then you have, we talked about before, great companies. And I saw Lillian uh, just put it in the comment as well. Make sure companies invest in your education. If you can find a company that invests in your education, helps pay for different degrees or gives you even the opportunities to maybe take time off to go attend a summit or go attend a conference or pays for that. Um, there's a lot of things that I think individuals can do, right? It is by no, you know, by no imagination, it's not, not um, super, super easy, right? It's definitely easier said than done. But if you just take that step forward, you kind of get in there, you are open to relationships, you find those mentors, you find um, how to navigate within an organization, ask the right questions. Edwin, you said it best. That's what I always say. Be curious, right? Go across the table, go across and maybe, um, you know, maybe you work in engineering and you're really interested in security, for example. You, know, you might be a developer. Hey, guys, you know, like, what do you guys use for tooling? What do you guys deal with on a daily basis? What happens if we break something, right? Ask the right questions, find mentorship, set up some of these kind of one-on-one -on -one times to learn your company, but not just your company, learn the industry and educate yourself. I, I mean, I couldn't have said it better than the both of you. Um, with that being said, I know we're running up of time, but I want to definitely give you guys um, last kind of quick shout out. Edwin, um, final thoughts. Final thoughts is that while it's very easy to be negative about the lack of diversity here, I just go back to you can impact one, two, three people. You've done it, right? It's going to take a lot of us as leaders, a lot of us as mentors, a lot of us as diverse people in cybersecurity to change this, but don't take it as a negative thing because not everyone looks like us. So all you have to do is just impact two or three people in your career, make sure that they know that, that that's their responsibility to pay it forward. And that's the only way we get better. Awesome. Carson, final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts is uh, to everyone listening, thank you. But also remember that nothing in life is wasted. So to Edwin's point, the, the bartender um, that he met, that bartender has a certain level of skills that other people don't simply because uh, they are a bartender. So they can use that for that uh, for their advantage. So whatever you're going through in life, no matter how hard it was or how good it was, nothing is wasted. Be faithful of that. And then you can you can make it to the, the next side of success. Perfect. Gentlemen, I want to thank the both of you again for being not only on the episode, but also being on the debut episode. You know, I think, as I mentioned before, the whole goal of this podcast is to do things around um, inclusion, right? Not We call it exploring cybersecurity because we want to explore different topics that may or may not be covered on certain podcasts, right? We've all watched podcasts where you get your industry news and trends, and that's great, right? But understanding some of the different challenges that we all face from diversity inclusion to burnout and stress to how to get buy-in to how to talk to a board if you are at CISO or how do you elevate your career? That's the exact goal of this podcast. And I couldn't have been more thankful to have the two of you on this diversity inclusion podcast because the two of you again you two are mentors and best friends of mine as well um to see where the two of you've come up and what you're doing now for your organizations and how you're giving back not just to your companies but the entire um the entire world and kind of what you're doing it's uh, truly inspiring so i will just say i'm proud of both of you and keep it going and uh, again thank you gentlemen for being on this podcast
Thank you for hosting, man. Thank you for giving a platform for such an important topic. So yeah. without people like you, we don't get this ability to do this, by the way. Yeah. Absolutely. It means a lot. Well, gentlemen, and uh, for everybody listening, again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. Uh, this is the Exploring Cybersecurity Podcast. Uh, again, if you were not on live, that's okay. We are going to be streaming this on Spotify. We're going to be streaming this on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Um, again, uh, you saw a couple different QR codes that even if you're watching this on demand, you didn't get it right away. You can still scan those QR codes, see some of the uh, different information about Edwin and Carson's and myself's company. Um, again, we want to thank you. Be on the lookout for more Exploring Cybersecurity episodes, which we'll be running these monthly. And so be on the lookout. Again, we want to thank everyone. Edwin, Carson, thank you so much. And for all the listeners, have a great day. Be safe out there. Peace. Bye,